0: That was great
1: oh thanks
0: that was fun <laughs> i could do, do that with you all day oh so funny hello and welcome to 15 minutes in canberra i'm hayley channer and i'm the senior policy fellow at the perth us asia center Today I have the great pleasure of interviewing a friend of mine, Raoul Hindricks. Now, I know Raoul from his time when he was at the Strategic Defence Study Centre at ANU and you've also had a fantastic career in think tanks like the Centre for Strategic and International Studies in Washington DC and also the Lowy Institute. And as well as that, you've been up at Parliament House as a Senior Advisor to a Senator. So you've got a very interesting background. And now you find yourself in defense industry. So, Ralph, thank you so much for talking to us today. Our pleasure.
1: It's great to, really great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: So, when I advertise this podcast, I like to call them dynamic conversations. But what I really mean by that is the conversation can just go anywhere and we talk about a lot of things. So, tell
1: us- That's how most of my conversations go, frankly. (laughs) It suits me well.
0: Yeah. So, tell us a little bit about your background and your interesting career past-
1: OK, well, yeah, it's, gosh, it's a, it's a long and uh, it's, a, it's a long and winding. It's been a bit of a long and winding road, frankly. Um, so I actually I fell into, you know, the, the world of international and strategic affairs a little bit by accident. I was doing a politics degree, a BA in politics down at Monash University. And um, there wasn't a dedicated international relations major as part of that at the time. Uh, but there were international relations subjects. And I took a few of those. I had this wonderful, really great lecturer, um, uh, Dennis Woodward. He's passed away now, but he, he was terrific. And uh, he was, uh, he, he'd written, um, he'd actually, his main thing was Australian politics, but uh, he was taking subjects on China and Chinese policy post-1978 in the Reform Era. And I became a little bit hooked on that. I also really got along with him. So I ended up doing my honours uh, on, on Chinese defence issues, This was way back in, goodness me, like uh, too long ago. It's it's going to date me. It's like 2006, (laughs) Um, you know, when it wasn't necessarily all the rage, you know, before it was cool, as they say. (laughs) Um, And um, I, uh, you know, I did it all right in that. And at the end of it, he said to me, you know, if you're really interested in this in this sort of area, um, you should go. You should think about going to Canberra and going to, to ANU. And uh, I was doing the, uh, the Masters in Strategic Studies, you know. I was sort of like, A.N. where? <laughs> I hadn't really – it was not on my radar at all. I hadn't really considered it, um, but I did that. And um, no sooner than I got to Canberra, I, I started – did the, um, the the Masters in Strategic Studies uh, with under Hugh White mostly. And from there, very quickly fell into a job in Kevin Rudd's office. This was the famous Kevin 07 campaign. Um, that was just a, a bit of an accident of history that I ended up there um, with, with an internship, and I actually lived in Kevin electorate
0: in Brisbane for a couple of years, oh, so I'm I remember kidding. his office was right yeah, next to a blockbuster. Yeah, right. When
1: blockbuster was still existing. Okay. Well, he, I, I heard that he lived in. He sort of he was a bit infamous in Queensland. You know, I at the time didn't know, know probably as much about him as I perhaps should have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, that, and that was a, it was a weird introduction to Canberra life because it, it you know, that, that role sort of came on within months of being there and, and by largely by virtue of me being able to sort of string a few sentences together and do a bit of research. Um, and it felt a bit like, it felt a bit like an opening episode of the West Wing or something, you know. <laughs>
0: uh, so in that case, it was a who you know, not what you know.
1: It, it, it was actually, yeah. Some, somebody, uh, somebody from the office, Rudd's kind of main national security advisor was looking for some help and they couldn't afford to pay anyone. And, um, I, you know, I was desperate to sort of, you know, be in the halls of power. And so, so, so there I was. Um. And uh, it was yeah, it was, a, it was a good experience. So how long were you there for? Uh, I was there. I think I think it was about a year. A year and a, It was really until, pretty much until, until they won the election and shortly after. Uh, it was funny. It was funny actually. Was, I, I'd assumed having having become a little bit more involved in the campaign that that it was I was going to be able to parlay this this little role into into some great job in defense and national security in the prime minister's office when he eventually won. And I remember uh, the week after the, 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 they did win, you know, he did win the election, 2007. A colleague of mine was responsible for doing the, the kind of recruitment for the PMO. And I walked in there and I saw a pile of CVs on his desk You know, and it was a good 30 centimetres high. It was like a really solid pile. And I just had to kind of leaf through a couple. And they were, you know, they were first assistant secretaries and, you know, they were band ones and band twos Mm. in the the public service. And people with long, you know, storied careers. And I thought at that point, gee, I better go and look for something.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've made it, though. I mean, you're drinking out of an ONA mug now. (laughs) I'm drinking out Mm. of a I'm no mug. I'm in the union mug. So... I mean, you've obviously really got yourself into the Canberra strategy, policy, defence industry community now. Um, you've had so many different roles. You're talking now about, you know, a political office. You've also had a senior advisor role up at Parliament House. Now, that wasn't a typical standard role. That was in a crazy time, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, that was actually a very, that was a very unusual, unusual role. It was actually two, it was two senators. I, I actually came in at the very, at the very end of, um, of Jackie Lambie's first, um, first stint, um, right around the point at which the, um, she was deemed constitutionally ineligible, um, to, to be in office by virtue of her, her, her British citizenship by descent. She's of course since, uh, since renounced that and she's, she's back in there. Um, but yeah, it was actually a very, very tumultuous, uh, tumultuous period. And it was the cross bench, which was unlike, uh, really unlike anything I'd, uh, I'd ever done, frankly. Um, that was, you know, that was um, a a job where I'd, I'd, I'd actually had been tutoring and doing a bit of casual lecturing and stuff at, at ANU, and I stepped away um, to um, to had, uh, to do a, a sort of grown up job, I guess. Um, and so that was really the, the the first job I'd had in many years out, outside of kind of my, yeah. my area of foreign and foreign and uh, defence policy. And it was uh, yeah, it was a, big, a real challenge. It mm. was uh, essentially about knowing a little bit about everything, and or at least being able to get across and, everything.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I've spent um, a couple of months up there working for a senator. And at first, I was really excited and had no idea what to expect. And you mentioned West Wing before. And I thought, oh, maybe it's going to be a little bit like that. But it was nothing <laughs> like that at all. And I was really surprised by how power operates up there. And also that The senators and members are really just people at the end of the day, and often they have a lot of the same concerns and worries and personal issues as you or I would have. That's what surprised me the most. Did you have sort of a revelation up there about what it was really like to be a senator?
1: Look, I, I, yeah, I suppose I did get some of that insight. So you, you're, you're right, though. I mean, you're, you're 100% right. He definitely demystifies the whole, the whole process. You see it, you really see him warts and all. And as you say, they are just people. Uh, I mean, in the case of the crossbench, <laughs> they, 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 it really is a bit of a snapshot of sort of ordinary, ordinary Australian. Uh, some of these folks, um, the, 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 the fella I ended up working for actually sort of ended up there largely by accident, you know, um, uh, and, and good fortune. So yeah, it, I guess it was a bit sobering mm. <laughs> um, to, to, and it was also interesting to, to I, I guess get a sense of, you know how daunting it is for that can be for them. It's <laughs> a lot of pressure. It's a huge. It's a huge they Have pressure. so many
0: stakeholders, whether it's uh, their constituents or party members, or if they want to have something passed. Um, in the House, how they're going to have that relationship with the other side.
1: Absolutely. I mean, in the case of the, in the, in the, the crossbench, it was, it was particularly intense because you don't have an enormous party apparatus to back you up. If you're a senator, you know, in the government or in the, the opposition – you sit where the whip tells you to sit, mm. <laughs> you know, and you sit with your party, and 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 that's how it goes. Um, in this case, you've got to you've got to essentially be attuned to your own value, your values, your own ideological position on 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 virtually every bill that comes before the parliament, and decide where you're going to go. Mm. Um, so in some cases, you'll be with the, with the government, and others against it. In some cases, it won't matter too much to you, and you can cut a you can cut a deal here and there. Mm. It's uh, it was a pretty it was a pretty complex and, and intricate sort of job. My sister, who was actually working for um, Derek Hinch at the time, she was much better at it than I was. But, uh, uh, she was a real master.
0: <laughs> so, say you know you're looking, you're someone looking for a career working in a political office. Maybe you know that person is uh, just breaking into the field. Uh, they might be interested in state politics or at the federal level, what kind of skills do you think you would advise that person to have and what personal attributes do you think they would need to survive and thrive in a role up at Parliament House?
1: Yeah, that's a a good question. Look, I I think probably the two most important things are having um, a bit of chutzpah, you know, a fair fair dose of a fair amount of gumption and also um, a fair bit of irreverence. Not to imagine that somehow this, you know, the, the legislative or the policy processes occur in some rarefied world um, that's that that you don't have access to. No, it's it's a bit of a sausage making process, production line, and um, you know, you, you, you don't be afraid to sort of get in there and 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 get your hands dirty. Um, in terms of practical skill sets, I, I, I've always thought. I mean, just being able to write clearly and succinctly. Um, is, and Hugh White imparted that on me really, essentially being able to say things in the most economical way is enormously valuable. Mm. To be able to produce a one, one page summary of anything <laughs> when people going to read At it. a moment's notice, um, is, is, an annoying, turns out to be a, a powerful skill. Mm. So
0: I want to do a bit of a shift change now because, as you know, I work for Perth, US Asia, and our focus is the Indo-Pacific writ large. Yeah. There's so many issues to talk about in terms of whether it's US leadership in the region or China, and you've had this fantastic background working in think tanks, um, spending time overseas and thinking about these big strategic issues, including when you're at ANU and also, you know, having been mentored by Hugh White. So – there's so many issues out there in the region. What, what do you think is an important challenge facing Australia at the moment? And do you think there's an area where Australia should be spending more time, resources and energy to fix, whether that's relationship with China, whether it's multilateralism, whether it's in the defence industry space? You know, what topic do you think really needs more attention from policymakers um, at defence? Yeah.
1: Yeah that's a great that's a great question and a, and a really big one. Um my own sense is that really the the kinds of seismic realignment the, the seismic realignment underway in the Indo-Pacific um is really such a big change for Australia. Really I actually think in in many respects the biggest change in our strategic circumstances since we became a nation um and I don't think we're necessarily well at um Well well attuned to the dynamics. I think there's a, there's a a tendency to imagine that uh, the future will sort of continue to be a bit like the past. And I think in many respects, a lot of, a lot of the policy settings, um, have a, have an inbuilt assumption that if we just sort of yearn for the kind of stability and order that we've, that we've enjoyed for so long, we might somehow get it back. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's not going to happen. I think uh, a new, this new era, really one defined by, you know, a very intense geopolitical competition, obviously def- defined largely by the, um, the, the the presence and ubiquity of Chinese power, um, is going to test Australia's capacity for pragmatism like not like like we've never had before. Um, that's going to be a very very difficult thing for Australian policymakers to adapt to. And frankly, I'm not optimistic about our prospects in this generation of leadership to do that. Mm. Um, I think what's likely to happen is we're we're pretty likely to be drawn in to, to an ever escalating strategic competition Mm. um, with some very serious dangers for Australia in the next decade or two. Mm. Yeah.
0: So Raoul, I like to end these chats with um, interesting, weird, wonderful stories of people and what's happened to them in their lives, because half the time it's so interesting just hearing something weird that's happened to someone in the course of their life. So have you got a story like that?
1: Well, I've, I've probably got a few of them, but the one, the, look, the one that does come to mind, it was, it was back in, was it 2008 or nine. I was in, um, I was on a little kind of research fellowship in, in Washington, D.C. Um, at a think tank there called CSIS, the Centre for Strategic and International Studies. And uh, at the time, it's moved since. It's now, it's got, now got a lovely building on Scott Circle, right, right near the Australian Embassy. But at the time was on K Street, which is, you know, famous for all the, the, the K Street lobbyists. Uh, it was 1800K. And uh, interestingly enough, Kissinger and Associates, Kissinger had something to do with CSI. This is Henry Kissinger, the only
0: sorry, Kissinger sorry, that sorry, that's I know. <laughs> right.
1: That's, that's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Henry Kissinger uh, and Associates, um, a, a notoriously sort of secretive, uh, what, you know, Washington insider kind of consulting firm had a, had a, a big office there, uh, on the top level of this building. And they must have been doing some work up there or something for whatever reason. Uh, it, um, evidently they there, <laughs> it was off limits to them or something. Anyway, one day I just had to use the bathroom in on, on my floor at CSIS and I noticed there was this rather big guy, you know, um, in his underwear sort of uh his singlet and his jocks. In the bathroom. In the bathroom. Just standing uh, in his underwear. Yeah, yeah. And 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 I older sort of fella and uh I went to wash my hands and I looked in the mirror and lo and behold it was Henry Kissinger getting changed into a uh into a tuxedo evidently heading out to a to a dinner party. (laughs) And I thought, well, here I am, you know, and in, in in Washington DC, um, the things in, that happened in, to in us. a bathroom with a half naked Henry Kissinger,
0: <laughs> <laughs> literal half naked, right. not you know in right. the sense of any Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Ralph, thank you so much for giving us your insights and the really interesting career pathway you've had in Canberra. I know there are a lot of people that would really benefit from your insights in terms of your experience up at Parliament House and also just hearing about the strategic dynamics in the Indo-Pacific, which are changing and becoming more complex. So thank you very much.
1: Well, thanks very much for having me. It's a real pleasure to, to speak with you.